is risen. Amen? Isn't that awesome? I'll tell you what, this morning I want to speak about God. I've got a question. But we want to welcome you to this Easter celebration. Thank you for choosing to worship with us. Many of you are guests, and we want to welcome you once again. Things are a little different because we've got so much we're trying to pack into this incredible celebration. This is the biggest day for a Christ follower, isn't it, church? And we love to come together all the time. Yesterday we had a big prayer breakfast and we gathered and worshiped and prayed for this service this morning. But we were anticipating today in God's presence. You know, he's a recognizable Savior. He was rejected and scorned by men, crucified, buried. They thought it was over. And by the glorious power of God, He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He ascended into heaven and He rose and He lives and He reigns from that day forward forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. That's the hope that we come to celebrate this morning. So if you've got a worship God, if you'll just turn over to the back side of there, there's a place for taking notes, trying to hang in there with me. I mean, I'll tell you what, when it's Easter, man, I get real excited. Last night, I was getting excited and I had to go over to the hospital and I thought, I thought about having three services. I thought about having one at Baptist Hospital last night. And I was seriously considering about, God, what could I do? And then they said, all visitors, you need to leave now. And I said, all right, well, I'll go in the morning. But there's one thing about this Christ. He's impossible to hold back. Death could not keep him. And you know what? In your own life, I don't understand, but God allows you and me to reject him if we want to. We can resist his pull, his draw. But so many people have responded to that. I was reading a story in preparation for today, and it was very interesting. It was in uh, February of 1991. There was uh, the height of a desert storm. I remember we were doing student ministry still, and we had several kids that had been called to go there to desert storm. And the story goes that there was a woman, her name was Ruth Dilla. She she had a, a message that came to her. It was a very disturbing message that came to her one morning. It came from the Pentagon. And in this message, they came to tell her that your son, Clayton Carpenter, has stepped on a landmine there in Kuwait, and he's dead. This woman uncontrollably wept and was angry at God and cried, and nobody can console her, and she cried and cried, and for three days she wept bitterly. And on the third day, there was a phone call that came. And the other end, a voice says, Mom, it's me. I'm alive. They had made a serious mistake. He was alive. Well, this morning, a lot of people had said, Oh, he's Jesus. Jesus, why don't you take yourself down from that cross? Raise yourself, Jesus. Oh, he was. He did. And he rules this morning. And that's the hope of the gospel of Christ. I think about this resurrection. It's a miracle. It's the miracle of miracles. I'm always asked, Pastor, could you pray for me a miracle? How many of you have received a miracle before? If you've received the new birth in Jesus Christ, that's the greatest miracle. And maybe you've had another miracle. Several years ago, about 2001, God miraculously healed this man on this stage. I was scheduled to celebrate our fifth anniversary of the church. I was to have triple fusion neck surgery. And God gloriously healed me. And I want to declare that and still declare it this day. I understand about miracles. But folks, you might get your miracle like that. You might not. But don't miss the miracle of the empty tomb, okay? Because this is the miracle that sets everything else in perspective. This miracle is the one that we need desperately. Uh, Today, I think about, there's a penetrating question. God, I've got a question. Well, I've always got questions. You know, we don't get a little black book and we get into heaven and go, Peter, could you take this over to Paul and get it to Jesus? 
Because I got some questions. How many of y'all got questions? Man, I got all kind of questions. I, I just don't understand. And I'm convinced they're going to be pale and disappear and not matter when I see the one with the nail print hands that rose and died for me and you. But on this side, I got some questions. And sometimes I get answers and sometimes I don't. But this penetrating question, some of you are like, well, I got questions, but God's like a distant policeman. He just kind of rules from on high. Some of you are like, no, he's the watchmaker God. That's called the deist. He just wound the clock up and we live for a while and we have our being and we are no more. And that's not true either. God seriously has intervened in history. And he intervenes in our life on a daily basis. Are we watching? Oh, look at the top of the worship guide. Look there with me. It's right there in bold letters. How much do you really care about me? Oh, God gives an answer to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. A king, the king of the universe, creator, sustainer God, gave it up, gave it all, laid it down for me and for you. I still can't comprehend that today, how much he loves us. And, you know, this morning, some of you just need to know God loves you a whole bunch. But let me tell you something. This is what I know. The enemy, he comes to try to steal that truth from your heart, from your spirit to convince you God doesn't really love you. If God really loved you, he wouldn't allow you to be in the situation you're in. Well, that's not true, friend. God is using all these trials and tribulations and testings of this life to prove our character and our faith that it might be genuine, that it might result in praise to the Most High God. Last night as I was over at the hospital, the first person I saw, members here, haven't been here for a while, a lot of family situations they've been dealing with with uh, her parents. And she finds herself now on the ventilator fighting for life, but they've st- God has stabilized her. And her husband, Ken, looked at me last night and he says, Pastor, you're excited about tomorrow. I know. Tomorrow's resurrection day. He says, but I've got a big miracle. She's up there on the third floor waiting for me to go see her. She doesn't even really know she's up there right now. But y'all pray for her. And I tell you, God loves to do miracles. Well, let me give you the first point. God says, I, because of the risen Christ, I can have God's pardon for my past. I don't know about you, but I've committed some serious sins in my life and I need somebody to cover it. I need somebody to cleanse it. I need somebody to take care of it because I can't. I can't earn it. And as we look at this, some of us maybe in this room feel guilty about our past. And here's what I know about guilt. Guilt is a thief. Guilt will steal the joy of Jesus Christ in your life, Christ follower. And if you don't know Christ, guilt just comes and sometimes God can use it for good when we get specific, but other times we just get guilt and we feel overwhelmed by guilt. We don't know why we're guilty and we waller in guilt. We bug everybody in guilt. God says no. See, guilt sucks the life out of you. It robs you of sleep sometimes. And some of you are like, well, man, I need some sleep and it causes stress. And some of you are saying, well, if you knew what I've done. Let me tell you, friend, it doesn't matter what you've done this morning. If you will come and look at Jesus Christ and look to Him to be saved, He will not keep you in the penalty box. He'll get you out. Amen? See, some people are like, well, I don't deserve to be forgiven. No, you don't. I'll just go ahead and tell you straight up. You don't, and I don't either. But that's grace. We serve a grace God, and I get excited about that on Easter morning. But the Bible says in Romans 3, 23 and 24, it's written out for you from the Living Bible. All of us have sinned, yet God declares us not guilty. If we do something, trust Jesus. And if we trust Jesus Christ, who by His grace, He freely takes away our sins. That's the news of hope. That's the news of the gospel. 
Well, this morning I got a little prop. I used it before, but that's the best way I can come up with it. When I was a kid, we didn't have video games. We didn't know what videos were. Had an Etch-a-Sketch. How many of y'all had one of these when you were growing up? How many of you didn't have one of these? Raise your hand. All the little kids like, what is that? Okay, well, this is, uh, this is when Pastor Keith was a little boy, and he was humored by it, okay? So if I had a bigger one, but this is my little one. And you know what? I've seen people do art on these things, and I don't get it. I couldn't ever really do any art. Man, I just made little squiggly lines. And you know what? You can make all these lines, and you can do all this stuff on here. And then you go, that looks a whole bunch like nothing. And you shake it up, and what happens? Wow! It's clear! You know, that's what Jesus does with sin when we confess it to Him. How many of you are glad God's got an Etch-A-Sketch this morning that just wipes your slate clean, that He doesn't hold that stuff against you when you repent and you receive His cleansing, His forgiveness? Well, that's what God says. He says, I freely give forgiveness in my Son, Jesus Christ. As we build this case, we see this great hope of Scripture. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Romans 8, 1 and 2. God says, you don't have to live in that past any longer. You can be set free from that, son. Daughter, you don't have to live there anymore this morning. Some of you need to get this first point. If you get this first point in your spirit, you're going to be a different person. Because you're trying to make up and make amends for your past and for your guilt. And you're living in it. You're like, man, Humpty Dumpty. He sat on the wall and he had a great... And all of the king's horses and all the king's men, they did what? They couldn't put them back together again. But we serve a God that puts messes together. I was a mess. You say, well, I think you still are. Well, you know, it depends what day you're looking at. Some days I am still. But God has the ability to renew, to rekindle, to put stuff... But some of you this morning, you haven't got over the failure in your life. Some great sin, some atrocity, some fail, failure in your life, unfaithfulness, regret, sin, pattern, whatever, and it haunts you this morning, let it down, shift forward, turn the crucified Christ into the resurrected Christ in your heart today. Some of you just want to hang out on crucifixion on Golgotha Hill. Don't stay there with a the skirmish of Golgotha. Get on to Calvary, but get on to the resurrection. Get on where your sins get forgiven, you get cleansed, you get pardoned. Romans 6, 4 says, For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live a new life. Every time we baptize somebody, they are buried into Christ, and they are raised gloriously to the newness of life in Jesus Christ. I love baptism. I love the immersion experience. It's all about Romans chapter 6. This Roman uh, passage gives us the resurrection promise of Jesus Christ. So we have a, a grace gospel. But let me move to the second point. This is interesting. I can have God's power for my present situation. The things that I find myself doing today or yesterday or tomorrow or what's coming, but today, the situations you and I find ourselves in, because we would always say there's things we want to change in our lives. If everyone, if they went up and down the roads today and I said, is there something you want to change in your life? Could most of you come up with something? Well, shoot, yeah, I could come up with a bunch of things. How much time you got? I mean, we just, and how many of you, if you're honest, don't raise your hand. This would not be a good thing. How many of you want to change your spouse? Well, you know, I'm not going to say in church, but I'd love to change them, you know. Okay, parents, how many of you would like to change your kids? Well, you know that. Kids, how many of you want to change your parents? Don't raise your hands, okay. 
well, you know, I want to change them. You know, how many of you want to change your boss? Well, of course. How many of you want to change your employees? Well, you know, you know. I mean, we always want to change everybody else. God says, I give you the power to do what? To change you in the present tense. I like what Romans seven fifteen says. You do you not understand what I do for what I want to do? I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And then another translation when it gets on down to verses 21 and 25, I want you to listen to this. I need something more. I obviously need help. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Is there no one who can do anything for me? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and Jesus Christ does I'm grateful this morning that Jesus Christ still changes and transforms lives today by the power of the gospel of Christ. And he's changing. I'm believing that today God's going to change hearts. He's going to change lives. He's going to make us different. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. Uh, the Apostle Paul over in chapter 3 of Philippians verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of this resurrection. Every day, I, as I pray, I go, God, fill me with resurrection power. God, I want the resurrection to come through my life. I want something supernatural. How many of you want supernatural activity in your life? As Christ followers, you are commanded to have the feeling and the power of the Spirit of God. And that resurrection power, we don't walk in. That's why so many people are turned off and they're skeptics and they're agnostics and they don't believe because they've not seen the risen Christ rise up in those that claim the name of Jesus. I'm so glad that a few thousand years or 2,000 years ago, they started telling people about the empty tomb. And now in 2008, people are still telling people about the empty tomb because it makes a huge difference. The power that brings dead stuff back to life. To know Jesus. To know that abundant, overflowing life that only Christ gives. That's the gospel. So we, we trust and then the Bible says in Romans 8.26, look there, it says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In our weakness. Are you weak? Of course you are. Well, no, I'm strong. You're really not. God says my Spirit helps. And He moves here, He says in Romans 12.2, let God remake you so that your whole attitude of mind is changed. Your mind is renewed. This morning I'm praying that God's going to not just give pardon for the past, but He's going to give power for the presence. For the present time, and some people are going to say, I'm going to have my mind renewed by Jesus Christ. And I'm going to trust in His goodness. And He's going to renew me and fix the broken stuff and the damaged minds and reconcile us by His mighty power that works within us. And if we really believe that Jesus has power today, we will not live like we did today. But tomorrow will be different, church. The power of Jesus Christ that resurrected Lazarus. The power of God that raised the Son to glory. The power that raises you and I today. And though we were dead in our sin, yet Christ died for sinners. And we go from death to life in the Savior. The Bible says you become an aroma. The fragrance of God. How many of you like to smell sweet things? It's sweet smelling people. Okay, well, we'll just stink. I mean, how many want to smell dirty, rotten, garbage, smelly things? Nah, I don't want to smell that. I want fragrances that draw me. Oh, we are to be the fragrance of God to a lost and dying world. Because of the resurrection power, there's no death and stench there. There's life and power. And I'm praying this morning, you're saying, well, you know, I want to walk in that power you're talking about. You, you saw if you believe it. I do believe it. And many in this room believe it. Many that are coming next service believe it. And many that you run into believe it. And yet many don't believe it. And many have never 
experience the power of Jesus. So it's power for now. Power for today. Let's move to the next one. I can have the promise of hope for my future. One of the universal problems in life is death. We're all going to die. I mean, we have to pay taxes. Or you're supposed to. You can go to jail. But you're not supposed to die. You will die, okay? I, I just go ahead and give, give you that one. If you're like, well, I, know, I figured out how to get out of my taxes. I met a guy one time, and he says, I'm so smart, I figured out how to not pay taxes. You know where he is today? Prison. He really is. True story. I won't tell you anymore because it was just dumb. Okay, listen to what First Peter 1.3 says. We've been born again into a life full of hope through Christ rising from the dead. So that's the Christ life. It's a life that has possibilities. It's the life that has a future. It's the life that has hope. And we all need this hope. And hope means that I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear death anymore. And I've told you many times in my testimony, before Jesus Christ, I feared death. I wouldn't talk about death. I dealt with death so much. I mean, with my aunts and grandparents dying at a young age and my mom and my grandfather getting killed when I was nine years old. I just didn't want to talk about death. I knew death meant separation. And yet, when I came to know the Savior, I realized that I could deal with this. I'll tell you what, if you don't believe death messes people up, invite somebody over to your house this week for co coffee and pie and say, and as soon as they sit down, I want us to talk about death. I mean, that, you know, it's just not going to thrill them. They're probably going to go, I don't know. Now, but, but we have to talk about this, and pastors need to talk about it, and teachers and, and small groups need to talk about death, and we need to make preparation, and it's, a, it's an obvious thing here that we need to do it because we're going to spend more time on that side than we do on this side of eternity, amen? I mean, it's a joke. I mean, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, yes, I've watched Willard Scott. Sometimes he has some old people in there, 106, 110. That's nothing compared to millions and millions of years and forever and ever. So Jesus takes the sting out of death. And yet, you know, all are going to die. But do we make preparation? See, only a fool will not prepare to die. You know, the Bible says, For what should it profit a man, a boy or a girl, if they gain the whole world and all its riches, and they lose their own soul? See, losing your soul would be the greatest tragedy of life, that you didn't give it to Jesus. You didn't let him redeem it and fix it and make it new. And Romans 6, 5 says, we also will be raised as he was, the hope, the living Christ. We can know for sure this resurrected life. And he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's all about his glory, whether we admit it in this life or not. And he says, life is more precious to us. And we need hope. Hope. I'm going to show you something right now because Jesus gives eternal hope. But there's this movie, and we have this angel guardian. You watch it, so it takes some language out. That would be the only thing if you watched it. There is some language, but in the, at our house, it, it filters it out. And on the screen, there's no language. But I'm going to tell you, there, there's a message fixing to come up here. There's a teacher, and she believes in kids, and she instills hope. As Christ followers, Christ instills hope in us, and we should instill hope in others. Watch the screen with me. It's from Freedom Writers. Ms. G, can I read something from my diary? That'd be great. What was he? Man, he's been with us since freshman year, fool. What's his name? The summer was the worst summer in my 14 years of life. 
It all started with a phone call. My mother was crying and begging, asking for more time. I said she was gasping for her last breath of air. She helped me as tight as she could and cried. Her tears hit my shirt like bullets. And told me we were being evicted. She kept apologizing to me. I thought I have no home. I should have asked for something less expensive at Christmas. On the morning of the eviction, a hard knock on the door woke me up. The sheriff was there to do his job. I looked up by the sky, waiting for something to happen. My mother has no family to lean on, no money coming in. Why bother coming to school or getting good grades if I'm homeless? The bus stops in front of the school. I feel like throwing up. I'm wearing clothes from last year, some old shoes, and no new haircut. I kept thinking I'd get laughed at. Instead, I'm greeted by a couple of friends who were my English class last year. And it hits me, Mrs. Grewal, my crazy English teacher from last year, is the only person that made me think of hope. Talking with friends about last year's English and our trips, I began to feel better. I received my schedule and the first teacher is Mrs. Gerwan, room 203. I walk into the room and feel as though all the problems in life are not so important anymore. I am home. power of hope instilled in other people changes lives. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have hope that our sins are forgiven. We have hope that we shall reign forever and ever with God in heaven one day. Amen? And in this life, we have hope to live every day. And as Christ followers, we should instill and encourage and put that hope in others. The same hope that we have found that has comforted our soul in Jesus Christ. So God is a God of eternal, abundant, overflowing hope. This hope that changes the world. And then here's the next point, the fourth and last. I can have His presence with me through it all. I'm never alone when I'm in Jesus Christ. Whether I be in a coma, whether I be sick, whether I be hurting, whether I be beat up, broken, divorced, shattered, financially ruined, failed a test, whatever it is, our big thing in life, we're not alone. Jesus proved it at Easter. They will not hold me in the ground. And this morning, if you listen to creation, Easter screams, God is alive. It screams it from the empty tomb. That's hope. That's hope that I celebrate. That's hope we celebrate every Sunday that we gather in the living room here at Christ Community. And I'm praying that you're saying, well, I don't know anything about that kind of hope. I, I've never really found that. I, I've heard people talk about it. I heard it's pretty neat. I, I'd like to have some. Well, you could. In the abiding presence of God. Look there at the verse in Romans 8, 38 and 39. I, I love this passage. It, it, it gives confidence. It, it gives joy. It gives assurance. Listen to it. And I'm convinced that nothing 
can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And this morning I'm praying that we're celebrating that hope or we'll come to trust in the one that is hope. And his name, his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Say, so, well, God, I've got a question. How much do you really love me, God? I loved you enough to die for you. And I loved you enough to come back from the grave for you. And I love you enough to call you to myself this morning on this Easter time. So there's a message question across the bottom. What does God say to somebody who's drifted away? Maybe once you tasted the goodness of God and you were close to God. And now you found yourself drifted and far from Him. Well, I found an answer in Isaiah 54, 7. With deep love, I, being God, will welcome you back. That's a promise of Scripture. God says, you've drifted, you've run from me, you've run from the cross, you've run from the Christ of your youth. Today, come back to the family. Come back to me. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm well. And there's people in this room today, they've not begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. You believe the stuff in your mind, but there's not a personal, genuine relationship with the Savior. So we've been praying hard for this service that the day God would convince you and give you the courage to make the wisest decision you'll ever make. It's not who you marry. It's not where you work. It's not how much money you make or what you drive. But it's who will you give your life to? Who will you follow? Will you follow Jesus? And if you're willing to say, I want to make that wise decision. I've got courage today in my heart. I want to follow the Savior. I want to trust in Him. Or there's not a better time than Easter Sunday to say, Lord, I want to trust you. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. And I believe it is for many that are in this room that hear my voice and that God has a plan and you're willing to trust it. And some of you are and some of you will walk out of here unconvinced. But I pray God has convinced you by the power of the gospel this morning. God, you are good. And you are holy and you are faithful. And I pray that this morning by faith you would turn your heart toward a holy God in the person of Jesus. And say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I need you. I need you in my heart. I need you in my life. I'm not going to trust in me anymore. I'm going to trust in the risen Christ today. And there's another group. You need to consider making this your church home. You came today and you're like, wow, I didn't know church could be this cool, this awesome, this powerful. You've been crying. You've been weeping. You've been you're just like, man, this is cool. You know what? You could, you could become a part of this thing. When we fill out the uh, connection card in a minute, when we turn the lights back on, and you put it in the basket, you can just put it on your head. I want to be a part of the next 101 class. I don't apologize. Some of you need to be a part of this fellowship. Amen? You've been trying to go, I'm just going to do it on myself. That's pitiful. That is lame. You need the body of Christ. We need one another. And let me just tell you something else. You're cheating us. Because you're cheating yourself if you're not willing to be a part of a local fellowship. So today I proclaim, Jesus Christ is my living hope. And the greatest entity on the planet is the church of the living, risen Christ. And I love the church. And I pray you'll consider being a part.
So right now I'm going to invite some of my elders. They're going to go over to the cross. And some of you just need to make your way over there. And you need to do business with Almighty God. You need to give your heart to Christ. You need to respond. But just close your eyes and say, Lord Jesus, I hear you speaking. I open my heart to you today. Come into my heart and be born, Lord Jesus. Come and wash away my sin, mighty God, and become my Savior and my Lord. Jesus, I want cleansing and pardon for my past, but power for today. Give me that hope eternally right now. I want to walk out of here brand new in Jesus. Now, with your head's bowed. I believe many of you just needed to make some prayer, something like that in your heart. Would you just raise your hands and hold them up? Just raise them up all across the living room. Come on. Who are you? Come on. God bless you. Many of you need to do that possibly. And if you're willing during this invitation just to walk over to the cross, or maybe you walk over there saying, hey, i got my sins forgiven, or hey, I want to know more about being a part of this fellowship. What does that mean? Or maybe you're a third group. You just go, I just need prayer. I'm struggling. I just need prayer for my walk. Go over to the cross. He's alive and well, the risen Jesus. We gathered and we said, Amen.